So hello everyone, this is Dr. Pamela Jolly here. Welcome to the midpoint of the first series of the Jolly Journey podcast of 2020. So much is happening in our world today. I am sending you lots of love and light your way. I hope that you have taken the time to get clear, to stay focused, to use your pressure for good, but also just to breathe. I promise you that this Jolly Journey will always be about ways in which we can pursue wealth our way. The Reset Juneteenth series is a journey that highlights the hidden equity found in our legacy of the Juneteenth celebration. Based on your feedback, which I so appreciate of the prior two podcasts, this is just the beginning of our historical exploration, such as this one. This year, there will be several series that guide us further down the road to clarify wealth as a part of our inherited legacy in the culturally relevant ways for our community. So welcome to this third installment of the Juneteenth series of the Jolly Journey podcast. As a reminder, our focus this month is to get clear. Juneteenth is this week. The legacy of this celebration is so filled with wealth, it symbolizes many hidden equity aspects that we are exploring. I define a reset as doing things differently, not doing different things. We are post the 400 year journey, and it's time that we defined our reset our way. Resetting Juneteenth is taking time to get clear on the heart of the matter so that we can reset a vision for the road ahead fueled by the lessons that only hindsight of 2020 can bring us. Last week was all about pressure. This week is all about saving your union. It's time to get clear. What union are you saving? Are you committed to doing whatever you have to do to save the union that matters most to you? Let's see. Let's get clear. Today's podcast is sponsored by Torch Enterprises and the Wealth Finishing School, a place where everyone who desires to finish the necessary steps to build wealth their way is invited to go. To learn more, please visit the show notes. So what union are you saving? What if wealth was a model and you and your family over the last 400 years had been building yours? What if each generation worked as hard as they could to navigate the ebbs and flows of life to ensure that your family would do better than the generation before it? What if this family business, this union across time, talent, and treasure was the most important thing worth saving? Would you do it? Would you continue that legacy? What would you commit to doing to ensure that this cross-generational union lived A business is a series of increasingly intimate relationships that create, build, grow, and expand wealth over time. A business starts with an asset packaged into a product that is taken to the market. And upon first sale, the relationship with the creating, the building, the growing cycle, and the expanding cycle begins. It's a union of time and value creation. In this way, Anyone or anything that exchanges value in any way is in essence a business. A business when it's in the black is profitable. How black is your business? A Brookings Institute study notes a 100 year gap 
in the economic mobility between whites and blacks in the United States post-slavery. This century-long gap is attributed to intergenerational immobility among black families. Gains made in one generation are often lost in the next. How focused are you on saving your family union? If this is a win in the times that we live in, are you willing to keep us united? I want to set the context here for our exploration today. The timeline is important to remember when it comes to the lessons hidden in Juneteenth. The Emancipation Proclamation issued on January 1, 1863, carefully designated which areas of the country were still in rebellion and thus subject to Lincoln's military emancipation. From now on, Union Army officials had to free all slaves in rebellious areas, not simply accept contrabands or punish Confederate masters. The decree also authorized Black recruits for the federal military. During the election of 1864, Republicans pledged to abolish slavery everywhere, immediately and without compensation to masters, through a constitutional amendment. They were unsuccessful at the federal level that year, but did push border states such as Maryland and Missouri to begin the process of abolition. The lame duck 38th Congress adopted a new constitutional amendment prohibiting slavery on January 31st 1865. President Lincoln signed the next day and enough states approved to succeed in ratifying the 13th Amendment by December 1865. Slavery was finally abolished in the United States. If you recall from our last podcast, Horace Greeley put pressure on President Lincoln with a published editorial challenging him to do what he said he would do to emancipate the slaves in 1862. President Lincoln responded to him in 1862 in this way. Listen to this in light of the union you are saving and tell me what you hear. President Lincoln wrote, I would save the union. I would save it in the shortest way under the Constitution. The sooner the national authority can be restored, the nearer the union will be to the union as it was. If there be those who would not save the union, unless they could at the same time save slavery, I do not agree with them. If there be those who would not save the Union, unless they could at the same time destroy slavery, I do not agree with them. My paramount object in this struggle is to save the Union, and it is not either to save or destroy slavery. If I could save the Union without freeing any slave, I would do it. If I could save it by freeing all the slaves, I would do it. And if I could save it by freeing some and leaving others alone, I would also do that. What I do about slavery and the colored race, I do because I believe it helps this to save this union. And what I forbear, I forbear because I do not believe it would help save the union. I shall do less Whenever I shall believe what I am doing hurts the cause, and I shall do more whenever I shall believe doing more will help the cause. I shall try to correct errors when shown to be errors, and I shall adopt new views so fast as they appear to be true views. I have here stated 
my purpose according to my view of official duty, and I intend no modification of my oft-expressed personal wish that all men everywhere could be free. Remember, the reset reveals that each new generation has the opportunity to engage the same battle, which each generational turn, we are just closer to an even bigger win. What part of the union resistance are you facing? It's important that you remember that feelings aren't facts. This week is a Juneteenth time of celebration that has evolved over years from 1867 when the first celebration involved a church-centered community gatherings in Texas. Between 1920 and 1930, the Juneteenth celebration spread across the South and became more commercialized. Often the centerpiece was a food festival. Juneteenth evolved in the 1960s when the focus became the story of the struggle for post-war civil rights. When I call the fourth turn of the wheel happened in the 1970s, when the focus returned to African-American freedom and arts. By the 21st century, Juneteenth was celebrated in most major cities across the United States. Juneteenth is recognized as a state holiday or a special day of observance in 46 of 50 states. It is increasingly becoming an accepted holiday as a result of what happened post the murder of George Floyd. What name best describes how you celebrate Juneteenth? What are you celebrating? This series is all about resetting Juneteenth, doing things differently, not doing different things. The action I want you to consider doing differently beginning this month is twofold, saving the union and doing what you can do to save ours. Let's begin. What I'm asking you to do is to look further down the road beyond your lifestyle to the continuation of our legacy. There is a process of things that we have inherited, and it has many circular patterns, which I call generational turns of the wheel. If you can work through the process, you can easily pursue the outcomes we have inherited. We have inherited the opportunity to save the union. What can you do to save the union with the business of you. Really understand me here. What memo did you inherit? The memo for freedom for 250,000 African Americans was late when it came to Galveston, Texas. And there was a reason. And we will discuss that reason next week. But right now, what memo did you inherit? A memo or memorandum, meaning reminder, is normally used for communicating policies, procedures, or related official business within an organization. How can you use what is in your memo to create a pedagogy for success in your community? My grandmother would say that anything that is done can be undone. What financial policies and procedures need a reset in the business of you, the business of us, and the legacy business we have all inherited? A pedagogy is a method of practice of teaching without opinions. Opinions are a view or a judgment formed about something not necessarily based on fact or knowledge. They are an estimation of the quality or worth of someone or something. There have been too many biased opinions in the pedagogy of America's promise. They arrive as pressure that can push people's desire to save the union to the right or to the left. 
The narrow road is my pedagogy. I use it to teach others about wealth their way. It is a neutral system that is biased and therefore narrowed by your choices of how you want to create, build, grow, and expand the life opportunities you have inherited to build wealth your way. We are in a bubble of possibility. This bubble of possibility in the times that we are living right now, there are four generations living and working right now. And each of these four generations living is activated and desiring to do something to either consciously or unconsciously save the union in America and in the world as it is related to the American promise that has remained unfulfilled. What are you willing to do to save the union of blood, sweat, and tears of the past that was used to create, build, grow, and expand a superpower that you, through inheritance, are a citizen of? Do you feel that pressure? It's the time of change we all can believe and participate in. That time has come. I want you to envision the business around your work as a hedge of protection. It's a way to protect you from the heart of the matter and to stay connected to the union of our collective business that must reset its policies, practices, and procedures. This change is not easy and the roadmap is not plain. There are always battles when one is trying to improve things. Opinions and feelings are not facts. It's just the facts that remain. Just like Jesus, who could say to the enemy, it is written. Our constitution provides us the same opportunity. It is written that all men are created equal. Will America fulfill Dr. King's dream? It's up to the pursuers of the opportunity to save the union we are living in today to determine the final outcome. Your wealth identity is the sum of all the parts of you. It is the fullness of who you are. The journey to own it is the fulfillment of your life and your legacy. A business has a valuation. A valuation is an estimation of something's worth, especially one carried out by a professional appraiser. Who is the professional appraiser of your union? For the last 400 years, it's been someone else. You are free, aren't you? Why can't it be you? What matters most to your union? How are you ensuring the legacy of your union continues? Seth Godin said recently in his blog post, we need to be clear about the job that needs to be done. The utility we're seeking to create, but not erect irrelevant barriers especially ones we can't see without effort. Good systems are resilient and designed to benefit the people who use them. My dear friend, Ambassador Shabazz, when I hear her speak, she often talks of Congress. When I looked up the word Congress, it is the action of coming together. Maya Angelou once said, nothing can dim the light which shines from within. What is your focus? Where is your light? When are you going to let it shine for all of us along the road to wealth as a legacy? George Clooney wrote, this is our pandemic. 
It inflicts all of us. In 400 years, we've yet to find a vaccine. It seems we've stopped even looking for one, and we just try to treat the wound on an individual basis. The way forward is back through. Think about it. Saving the union is important as African Americans because we've been a part of the very union President Lincoln was trying to save when he signed the Emancipation Proclamation. We've been an integral part of this union. Let's do a quick review. There are three statements that your life makes, and those statements reveal your truth. Those statements reveal how balanced you are, how active you are in the collective union, and how active you are to the flow of life. And so being a part of the union is important. When you are an active part of the union, the three statements your life makes, my life makes, our life makes, and our nation's makes, mean something. And so I ask you again, are you committed to saving the union? Saving the union means making sure that it does not die, making sure that it stays in the black, making sure that it becomes the best union it can be. And here in America, there is a union within a union within a union that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the union between you and the business of you, your lifestyle and your legacy. I'm talking about you and the business of your family. I'm talking about you and the business of us and you and the business of us and the business of our nation. I'm talking about how committed are you to saving the union? Now the way forward is back through for me, always along a narrow road. I want you to think about the role your ancestors played in saving the union. In 1619 was when we became a part of the union. It wasn't a choice, it was involuntary. We arrived over here on the balance sheet of America as America's first assets. Remember I said the union starts when the assets are packaged up and taken to the market. The first asset was us and we were packaged up and we were taken to the market and we were auctioned off. And we were the first currency. We come from the life's blood and cash flow of this union. Is that fact worth enough to prioritize saving this union? Is saving the union enough to take possession of your inheritance? Is that a place where we should focus? Think about it. From 1619 to 1865, for 278 years, five generations of captivity worked as America's first asset. We were the cash flow. We were the assets. We were the product and the production managers. And with our genius, we created products that allowed the union of us, of America, a place where we weren't even a shareholder yet. Our participation in this union enabled America to start up, create, and journey along a road to thrive and grow. We were such a vital part of this union that in 1776, America could declare independence and tell the world where to go. When you think about moving forward, further down the road of the 400-year journey that our ancestors have already taken, this inflection point at 1863, when President Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, our relationship with this union started to change. Now remember, this is about a reset. It's doing things differently, not doing different things. At that point of the union, Abraham Lincoln had to make a decision. He was being threatened on both sides. 
He had both the opinions of the North and the South trying to pursue him. You think about it. The Union was at war with itself over an important thing, an important asset on the balance sheet of the Union that created an unfair advantage. And that was us. We were and are a vital part of the disruption in how the Union was and is operating. How committed are you to saving our Union? It wasn't fair for us. It was an unfair advantage for those who owned us. But we were still a part of the Union in 1863 when the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, and we were made free. Now, this was the beginning of a different relationship with the Union. We moved from the balance sheet to an opportunity to create our own income statement. In the haste of change, many newly freed assets did not say time out, let's create a business plan for freedom. And the Union did not say time out, let's create a strategy for diversity and inclusion. That was then, but we have an opportunity now to reset, to do things differently, not do different things. The union needs to be saved. The union needs to have a business plan for freedom for everybody. The union needs to be able to have a strategy for diversity and inclusion of everybody. The union needs to focus their business efforts and your business efforts need to focus alongside it to save it. The union needs to be saved. And so when we think about it, 1865 to 1895, the union had a period of reconstruction. And in that period of reconstruction, I want you to think of it as an accelerator. Because African-Americans, despite not having a business plan for freedom, sharecropped and migrated. They reconnected with their family. They started saving their own union between their friends and their families. They created and built communities. They started coming together to pool capital and unify with the land. They still didn't own it. They could still not completely declare their independence, but they reunited with what they knew. America's first asset reunited with the land in which they were able to produce our superpower. So when we think about 1895, when we have Plessy versus Ferguson and the opinions of what should happen to the business model of the union, the business model of the union was pressured to do what it did in the Civil War and it divided again. A side of the union went back to the constitution, the very constitution that President Lincoln was trying to use to swiftly save the union. When the Plessy versus Ferguson verdict came out, and it was supposed to be separate but equal, America's first asset, of which many of you are representative of those ancestors, got to work despite the pressure. The union was divided again. We were technically free. There was a breach in the union. And what did we do? We saved the union. Your ancestors saved the union and created banks they created sororities. They created fraternities. They created historically black colleges. They fought for public education for all because it was about saving the union. During the times of separation and segregation, your ancestors 
created a union that would encourage them, that would support them. It was about wanting to be included in the union. It was about wanting to be what President Lincoln wanted, which was that all men would be free to participate in the business of saving the union. Now the union, the majority of the union had different ideas. There is pressure now and there was pressure then. Then there was a group of people who wanted to destroy slavery as much as Horace Greeley and Frederick Douglass. And some people wanted to keep slavery and that pressure has remained. But this is a reset. It is doing things differently, not doing different things. We come from a piece of the union that has lived through the pressure of 400 years. There are people who want everyone to be free, and there's people who don't. They want a union with an unfair advantage. This is nothing new. But now we must reset, do things differently. And so when we think about the road that led to the 1954 Brown versus Board of Education ruling by the Supreme Court, Charles Hamilton Houston and Thurgood Marshall's commitment to saving the union broke the opinions and ideas that became rules in Jim Crow and Plessy versus Ferguson. Similar to the work of these leaders and what they did to ensure the legacy of our union pursuit, so must you. The work of these men and women in the parts of our union allowed us to see the power of human integration and that it was essential. When we think about the union and what the leaders in our community have done to save the union, African-Americans have worked to save the union by making the union honest, using a similar method to what Horace Greeley did in terms of trying to remind President Lincoln to do what he said he was going to do and abolish slavery in 1862. We live under a constitution that said we declare that all people are created equal. Saving the union makes this a promise that must be kept. What can we do to save the union? Pursue financial parity. Now I realize there are a lot of warranted feelings and opinions about how the union has treated you, treated your family, treated our family, treated our nation. But Dr. King promised that there would be dark times ahead of us, but that one day the dream would come true. Can that day be today? The facts are that you have been in this business union for too long not to save it. There's a powerful thing about savings. When you save something, you do what you have to do to make sure it survives. And this is the reset of saving the union. What you have to do is to continue to pick up the torches of the ancestors that you have come from. We must elevate the standard of our business, elevating the standard of our businesses so that we can not only be black people, but our businesses can be in the black. Elevating the standard of our union. I invite us to save the union by reconnecting with the genius and the ingenuity that we have always had that allows the union to thrive the way it has always done. Because if you look at the macroeconomics of this union right now, it needs savings. It needs investment. It needs imports. It needs exports. 
We have mastered consumption. It's now time to go further down the road to wealth. How committed are you to saving the union? Are you committed? Are you willing to save for a sustainable retirement so that you can go the distance and see the changes that are in the beginning stages of happening now? Are you willing to make investments in the rising generation that is starting up these startups that will a hundred years from now be institutions that everyone will be able to sharehold, will be able to work for and work with and lead? We are in a reset. Things are changing. A business plan for diversity and inclusion and freedom must be written to save the union. How committed are you to being a part of saving the union. There is something to be said about having a home. A home provides safety. A home provides security. There is something to be said about having friends and family you love and love you. There is something to be said about having a tribe of people who are willing to go the distance with you. My dissertation was centered around the convergence of faith and finance in the African-American community. It was an existential exegesis of Joshua 1 through 12, which is the promised land narrative. It connected Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, who got up on a mountaintop and had a dream. He looked over into the promised land and he saw that we would get there one day. And that promised land for him, which has become the promised land for us, is equality. Forty years later, identical to the biblical narrative, President Barack Obama got up there in Selma and said that we were in a Joshua generation and that this was a Joshua era. And he, in that moment, in an existential exegesis way, declared that things will be different. But the union must pick up their bed and walk and go take possession of the promise we have all inherited. What we have inherited is a united nation, one nation under God, a union, and it needs savings. The Israelites stayed in the wilderness and wandered for 40 years. And then a rising generation came up and said, it's time to go. Black lives matter. Let's take possession of our inheritance. They said, it's time to leave the wilderness of circular patterns, of ideas and opinions. And there were the elders. And there were the leaders that were appointed by God to join them, to agree that yes, it was time. And so there was a specific order. There was a specific way in which we were able to exit the wilderness, to reset how the union was to operate, no longer in a pattern of circles. They were now to go to face the giants in the land. It was time for them to take possession of their inheritance. Post 400 years, this is a reset. There is a part of the union that is a part of every American's inheritance. And the promised land of America has been unfulfilled for 400 years. It's time to take possession of it. It's time to save the union. The idea was great. The dream was motivating and captivating. But the reality is ours to make happen. How committed are you to saving the union? Are you willing to balance your sheet? Because in balancing your sheet, your family will follow suit. Your community will follow suit. And this nation's balance sheet will look different by all of us having a positive net worth. 
You will have a seat at the equity table of the union and be able to negotiate a position of power that you have inherited by mastering your income statement, meaning demanding of yourself and the marketplace to pay what you are worth. No more auction block, no more valuation that is done by someone who doesn't understand the wealth builder in you. Budgets will be more realized and become realistic in managing your fixed cost and variable costs. The amount that we actually negotiate for to rebuild our communities will be more relevant when we understand the true cost of what it takes to take possession of the promise in America. You will be able to be black financially to earn a profit that you can save and invest. By managing your cash flow, by managing your budget, it's by understanding that your relationship with your money and others' people's money is a credit relationship with this union that is worth having and sustaining. By understanding your relationship with the future, meaning long-term investment, allows you to become a shrewd manager of the time and the talent and the treasure that you have in the business of you and the vision you have for the business of us. You are saving the union by elevating your standard of business to wealth your way, by being a wealth builder as you define it. How you commit to saving this union? If we look back down the 400-year road, you've come from a long line of critical assets that did their part to save this union. I invite you to do yours. With that, I need you to understand the mindset of President Lincoln from my perspective. I want you to hear what he said again. And I want you to think about yourself. And I want you to think about how committed you are to saving the union. As I read it again, I want to highlight some specific words that I want you to carry with you as you determine how you are going to save the union. President Lincoln said in his response to Horace Greeley, if there be those who would not save the Union unless they could at the same time save slavery, I do not agree with them. If there be those who would not save the Union unless they could at the same time destroy slavery, I do not agree with them. My paramount object in this struggle is to save the Union, and it is not either to save or destroy slavery. What is your paramount object in this struggle? What does saving the union mean to you? Despite the feelings, despite the opinions, what does saving the union mean to you? He goes on to say that if I could save the union without freeing any slave, I would do it. And if I could save it by freeing all the slaves, I would do it. And if I could save it by freeing some and leaving others alone, I would do that also. What I do about slavery and the colored race, I do because I believe it helps to save the union. And what I forbear, I forbear because I do not believe it would help save the union. Have you ever been walking down a winding road and you could go to the left or you could go to the right, but you wanted to stay focused on your destination? And the quickest way to get there was the road that you would take? Have you ever been in an argument with someone that you loved 
And you could say this and you could say that. You could do this and you could do that. But in the end, you just wanted that person that you love not to leave the room. And so you did what you had to do to save the union. President Lincoln goes on to say, I shall do less whenever I believe what I'm doing hurts the cause. And I shall do more whenever I shall believe doing more will help the cause. I remember my grandmother would say, don't say something once that you won't say twice. She also would say, something gone, nothing missing. And so when you think about what do you believe that you're doing that will help the cause? What is the cause? Where are you focused? President Lincoln goes on to say, I shall try to correct errors when shown to be errors. And I shall adopt new views so fast as they will appear to be true views. What are the facts that you can bring to the decision makers so that they can correct the errors that they may not see? In podcast one, we talked about that you have a unique perspective, but a full vision has four dimensions, which means that while you can see one, you have a blind spot of three. And so does everyone else. What facts can you bring to the table of your community, of your enterprise, of your organization, so that the blind spots, which are really threats, can disappear? He goes on to say, I have here stated my purpose according to my view of official duty. What is your official duty? And what is the view of your official duty? Dr. Du Bois would talk about the duality of man and how there was a double vision. And so there's a duty that you must do. And then there's a personal wish that you have. What is your duty in the reset that we are in? President Lincoln goes on to say, I intend no modification of my oft expressed personal wish that all men everywhere could be free. What I read into that statement is that he had a duty. He was the president of the United States and his job was to save the union. Now his personal wish was different from what his job was. He had to be about his business and so must you. How can you embed your personal wish in the way that you conduct your financial business? A cause is a person or thing that gives rise to an action, a phenomena, or a condition. A cause is a principal aim because of a deep commitment. What is your cause? Paramount means more important than anything else. What is most important to you? What is paramount to you as we embark on this 400-year reset? The word for bear means to politely or patiently restrain an impulse to do something, to refrain. The wind doesn't happen all at once. The wind comes in stages. The wind has to be phased. What must you forbear right now so that we can go further down the road together as a union? so that they can get to a point of view that you see now that they won't see till we get beyond this initial part of the reset journey. Official duty. What is your official duty? President of the United States was responsible for saving the union. 
And that union was a business model that was transitioning from one level of business to the next. Where are you transitioning from? Are you transitioning from surviving to a positive net worth? Are you transitioning from comfortable to independent? Are you transitioning from independent to influential through your investments? We are all in a period of transitioning. In each transition, there is an official duty. What is yours financially? And then lastly, personal wish. What is your personal wish? President Lincoln's personal wish was that all men everywhere could be free. My personal wish is that wealth becomes a standard in our community. This is our time. Our time means a time that the union can make good on his promise. It took generations for us to get here. It's time for us to take possession of what we've inherited. This window of opportunity to save the union. Will you save it? Will you unite? Will you connect the dots between your personal wish and our causes? What part of the union are you committing to saving? The last thing I'll say is that June is the month that my father passed away. And my dad would always say to me in the hospital room that when God would allow, he would go up to heaven and he would open up a window and pour out a blessing that I wouldn't have room to receive. And every June, it's hard to believe that June 26th, he will have been gone for six years. But every June, something special happens. My dad would also say that life is like bacon and eggs. He said the pig is committed, but the chicken is involved. When it comes to our union, are you a pig or are you a chicken? Because when cooked, it looks like we're all in the same bucket. But the reality is, or all on the same plate, but the reality is that there are different levels of commitment and there's different levels of involvement. Whatever yours is, connect with like minds and like spirits because our time is now. This is just the beginning of a powerful reset. Our time has come. The dream is now ready to be a reality and the ancestors of the ones who are living to see it are waiting for you to take possession of the promise. My prayer is that you hear them, you follow them, and that this Juneteenth gives you the opportunity to do things differently. Not do different things. Continue the road to success that your ancestors paid for you. Continue to understand that you've always been wealth, but now it's time to move the creator of wealth to a wealth creator. God bless you. So, hey there, I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. And I hope that as you are celebrating your Juneteenth celebrations, that you are reflective of what this celebration really offers you the ability to talk about with your friends and your family, a reset and what we can do differently while not doing different things. I want to leave you with this quote from Charles Hamilton Houston, one of my favorite (laughs) legacies. 
has influenced so much of my thinking about the road ahead. He said the hate and scorn showered on us Negro officers by our fellow Americans convinced me that there was no sense in my dying for a world ruled by them. I made up my mind that if I got through the war, I would study law and use my time fighting for men who could not strike back. In the fall of 1919, he entered Harvard Law School, entering his Bachelor of Law degree in 1922 and his Doctor of Law degree in 1923. In 1923, he became the first African-American to serve as editor of the Harvard Law Review. Charles Hamilton Houston is uh, remembered as breaking the back of Jim Crow. He was committed. He was focused. He was determined to saving the Union. Your journey doesn't have to be identical to his in terms of the actual steps, but it does need to have the same type of fervor, the same type of commitment, whatever you decide to do to save the union, however you define it, give it all you got, because this time is a fertile ground and what seeds you plant now will definitely reap harvest. I look forward to seeing you next week as we go further down this Juneteenth road, evaluating even more hidden equity. Until next time, take care, God bless you, and have a jolly day.